This podcast was recorded at Life Connection Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more podcasts and information on Life Connection Church, visit lifeconnectionchurch.net. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter number 7. And while you're turning there, uh, I want to remind you that we're continuing in our series in Romans. And as we continue in our series in Romans, I want you to, uh, to remember that as we study these things, it's going to be extremely important for these not to just come into your head, all right? But that we hear God's Word and we allow these things to sink into our hearts. Yes, we want to understand them. Yes, we want to use our minds. We want, to, we want to understand and we want to engage with it in our minds. But we want them to sink into the depths of our heart. and We want them to transform the way we think, the way we live, the way we act, the way we treat others. And so I pray that you are studying these things, not just on Sunday, but in our communities and beyond in our individual lives. What we've been looking at over the last weeks, now listen, we're 30-something weeks into this thing, so I can't give a, a big overview of everything, but what we have been looking at in the last few weeks is that union with Christ, a covenant with Christ, is central to our understanding of salvation. That salvation is not just about forgiving us. Yes, we are forgiven. Can the church say amen to that? It's not just about being forgiven, and it's not about being given a second chance. It's not just about, okay, here you go, clean state, slate, start over again, you get another try at this thing. It's not about that. It is about coming into a covenant relationship with God through Jesus, that we are united with Christ and because we are united with Christ what is true about Jesus is true about us that statement should literally blow your mind what is true about Jesus is true about us and so because of union with Christ what we understand is freedom is not the absence of a master freedom is not the absence of authority some of us think that we are truly free when nobody is over us freedom is not the absence of authority in our lives freedom is having the right authority that we are all slaves to something. But because of this understanding, we're not looking for, I want to be my own master, because when we want to be our own master, we are still our own slaves. We want to be under the authority and the rule and reign of the God of this world. We get to be in a permanent relationship with Him. And last week, Wes preached... And I talked while I was in Flagstaff, but we talked about this idea of the law does not make us right before God, nor does it grow us in God. What we have to understand is, as we talked about last week, is that there's a big difference between getting out of bad relationships and being in a good relationship. So many of us are so consumed that if I could just get out of this relationship, then everything would be good. But here's the reality. Just because you get out of a bad relationship, no matter how bad you want to hate it, doesn't mean you can hate it. You still end up repeating the same cycle because just because you're out of one bad relationship doesn't mean you know what it's like to be in a good, healthy relationship. 
What God is calling us into is not out of a bad relationship. Yes, that relationship must die. That relationship with the law, it must die in order for us to be released from that and re- released into a new godly and healthy relationship. We are not just coming out of something. Yes, we are. But we are moving into good and right relationship. And as we've been talking about the last few weeks is that the law does not make us right. That marriage with the law that we talked about last week. That marriage with the law does not make us right before God, nor does it grow us in God. And some of us are just convinced that the law is what makes us right. And so many of us in our mindset think, you know what, I just need to get right before God. And so how many of you have heard this or said this? You don't need to raise your hand, but, but I, I know you, you'll relate to this. Is somebody's going, I just need to clean myself up and get myself right and come back to God. And in that order, we really believe that we are broken. And if I could just pick myself up by the bootstraps and and come back to God and clean myself up and all those kinds of things, then God will love me. He'll accept me. And so we believe that if we could just follow the law, if we could just do the right things, if we could just say the right things, then we'll be right before God. And some of us go, well, no, no, pastor, that's not what I believe. But we do believe this. Yes, God is the one who saves us and brings us into right relationship with Him by His grace. But then He says, Hey, now, if you want to grow, you need to follow these laws. You need to do these things. And then we add to God's grace law and we we start to immediately tell people yes now you get to enjoy union with christ here's what you need to do you need to do these things if you really want to grow and don't do this and do this and don't do this and so we add to grace these these kinds of moral law now what we're going to read today is once again questions that arise when you start preaching these kinds of things what you're going to see is that questions arise. Questions arise and saying, well, if we're not saved by the law, but we're saved by grace, then should I just keep on sinning? And then Paul says, that's inconceivable. What are you talking about? And he answers those questions. And then they say, well, what about, what about the law then? Is, is the law bad or, 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 or should, should, what do I have to do to the law? Is, is there any part? And then we start, to, we start to make these questions. And Paul keeps saying it's inconceivable over and over and over and over again. And this is another question that arises. What it, the question that we're going we're gonna to answer today is this. If we really believe that this relationship we have with Christ is permanent and it's by grace and it's sustained through His grace and we believe that it is by His grace through faith, it's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. If we believe these things and that as we talked about last week, salvation fulfills the law but it also releases us from the law. And if we believe this, then the question comes up, well, then what good is the law? What good is the law? Let's stand as we read Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 13. 
I'm going to try to run through this stuff quick this morning. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. That's inconceivable. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. I would not have known what it was to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life provided, proved, I'm sorry, to be death to me. For sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is, ho- so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. God, I pray that we would know that this is your word. And as we stand and read, we read in respect of your word. We, we want this to stand in authority in our lives. We humbly submit to it. God, speak to us through it. Would you give me the gift to proclaim this with authority and, and love and truth, grace? Allow your spirit to work in the hearts of your people today that we would see and know and understand and be transformed by your word in Jesus' name. And everybody say, you may be seated. Here's what I want to just clarify real quick. When we start asking what is the law, what we have to understand is that everybody is under a law. Now, we can ask, well, what what law is being discussed here? And there's theological debate over what law is actually being discussed. And so instead of entering into that debate, let, let me just put it this way. Every person is under a law, whether that means personal law, which means how many of us know that we have things that we set for ourselves, that these are things that we want to accomplish. That's what New Year's drives me absolutely nuts. The reason why is because we just celebrate the fact that we have a Savior and we need a Savior in Christmas, and then a week later we're saying we can do it ourselves. Doesn't take us long to go back, does it? So we set our resolve, our personal laws. I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. Now, whether or not this, is ta- this text is not talking about just personal law, here's what I want you to say. How many of you know you rarely live up to your own laws? <laughs> rarely. Do you actually fulfill the law you set for yourself? And then on top of that, there's natural law. Now, Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 1 talks about this, that there's natural law, that all of us are under the law. There's this sense inside of us of this is wrong and this is right. Now those things, even natural law, which the Gentiles were under, which we see in this church, the Jews and the Gentiles, that law was there. There was still a sense of law. And then there's moral law, which is the commands of God, that God gave us this law, the Ten Commandments, and He gave us these laws. 
The Jewish leaders would refer to these. These are things that God tells us to do. Now, we could sit around and say, well, is he talking about moral law? What section is he talking about this law? And here's what I will say. Law has the same effect. So what we're asking here today is not what law is it, but what does the law accomplish? Whether you think the law comes from God or whether you think the law is just natural and in a sense of like our instinct or whether the law is just ourselves. We set our own laws. What does the law accomplish? Because if we're not saved by the law and we're not grown by the law, then what point is the law? Is the law bad? Well, the first thing we have to look at is in verse 7. And verse 7 says this, that the law reveals sin. Here's what this is saying. If left to ourselves, people will never think they are sinners. If left to ourselves, if turned over to ourselves, we will never think we are sinners even if we're breaking our own laws or natural laws. Now, here's the interesting part. We will not call it sin. Even if we don't think it's good, we won't call it sin. And there's reasons why. We have done word plays on sin. We have called them struggles, battles, mess-ups, problems, issues, everything but sin. I like how we clean up sin. We clean it up. If somebody is fornicating, we call it sleeping together. Interesting enough, it's not the sleeping in the same bed that's the problem. There's not much sleeping happening. That's why it's called fornication, right? But we call it sleeping together. Why? Sleeping together sounds better than I'm a fornicator. Let's clean it up, right? So what do we say when we have somebody who's committed adultery? We call it an affair. That sounds fun, doesn't it? I'm going to dress up and go out for this affair. It's a fancy affair. Instead of calling it adultery and sin, we clean it up. Same with lust. Instead of calling it lust, we like to call it just every guy struggles with it. It's just normal. Same with rebellion. With rebellion in our heart, what do we like to say? I'm just, I just like to be my own person. Oh, you're a rebel. Drunkenness. Stressed out. Or, I love this one. People call drunkenness, when they, even when they're sharing their testimonies, I used to go out and party a lot. Partying's not wrong. Matter of fact, Jesus partied. It's drunkenness. You're a drunk. 
We just like to clean things up. We do not want to call it sin. And the reason we don't want to call it sin is because we don't want to admit that there is a God who created all things and this God not only created everything, but he has an order by which all these things function properly and the way that we live life under his rule and reign. And this is God's law and we don't want to admit that we have sinned against that God because when we say there is sin we say there is a God who says this is wrong Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 shows us that even after the fall before before destruction before the ark that the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth was and had become, and that every inclination and thought of their heart was evil all the time. Wow. That's a picture of what sin is. Every motive, every thought, every inclination of this heart is evil all, hear this, all the time. Do not like to call things sin because that would say we have violated the law of God. And in order for there to admit that there is sin, we primarily have to admit that there is a God. And we've sinned against Him. And we have to admit that we don't want Him to run our lives. Now, I've had people who would admit the struggles and the issues of their life, people who would say that things are going on, but I tell you, every time we preach an encounter and talk about sin primarily being against God, I always, I've had multiple times people come up and say, listen, pastor, you're being a little hard here. Sin, it's just, I mean, it's just struggles. It's not sin. Don't call it sin. Everybody has their struggles. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to understand, if, if, if the law doesn't save us, what does the law do? What is it good for? Well, here's what it's good for. It's good to show us the sin that is in our hearts. The other thing that I like in verse 8, if you look at verse 8, it says not only does the law show us that we are sinners, here's what the law does. It provokes us to sin. I tried this yesterday or Friday when I posted on Facebook. I posted on Facebook, do not comment or like this post, period. Exclamation point, I think. That's all I put. Immediately. Nobody even knew they wanted to comment on that Facebook post. Nobody even thought about it before that. But the minute I spoke the law, it provoked in a ton of people a desire to comment. Like, I had so many different ones. And not only did I enjoy proving the fact that just by laying down the law, 
I had a church filled <laughs> with rebellious, arrogant people who liked and commented, and every time they would comment, I would say, I knew you were going to do that. Especially key people. Brian Brown was one of them. <laughs> Noah Hubert. And pretty much both the Hubert boys. I knew exactly. Mario, I knew he was going to be on there. I thought Patrick was going to be on there. But Patrick did something a little sneaky, which kind of shows the deception of his heart. <laughs> he shared the post. I didn't, he said, I didn't say, don't share it. <laughs> and in his comment, he put, I win. Okay. <laughs> now, with all the likes and all the comments and all the people on Facebook, here's what we have to understand. It was just an illustration of this. Nobody had even a desire to post or comment or like until... I laid down the law. My law provoked sin. And the reality of that is we don't understand the power of the law until we understand that not only does it reveal the sin in our lives, it actually makes us want to do more sin. And so when we start to fall in love with, as Paul is asking them not to do at the beginning of this chapter, don't be married to this. We've got to die to this law. When we start to fall in love with the law as the means of our right standing before God or as the means as our growth in the kingdom of God, what we have to understand is we are using the law in a way that it was never created or designed I loved one of the posts. I won't say the name, but you can find it on my Facebook and see the heathens in this church. One of them said, Pastor, you're trying to heap condemnation upon us. Try to make us feel guilty. We are humble people. <laughs> and the reality to this is very true. Because the law is not designed to save us. The law is designed to reveal to us what we end up doing is blaming the law for our sin. Here's what I want us to see today. Some of us would say, as, well, if, if, if the law doesn't save us and the law doesn't sanctify us or make us right before God, then then what's the point of the law? If the law reveals sin and the law provokes sin, then what is good about this? And here's, here's, what I, here's why I want us to see in verse 9 through 11 that what is really good about the law revealing and provoking sin is the law also is designed to bring us to the end of ourselves. It's designed to show us that we are sinners, and not only do we have sin in us, but we are so rebellious that if told not to do something we weren't even thinking about doing, 
it provokes us to do it. That instead of driving out sin, the law awakens sin. But the good of the law is that as long as we do not have the law, now this is what Paul is saying, as long as we do not have the law, we would not know the state of our hearts. We would be lost. It was only when we learned that we had sinned against a righteous and holy God. It is only when the Spirit revealed to us through revelation of you shouldn't covet. That's what Paul said. And all of a sudden I realized I can't do that. I'm going to do that. Matter of fact, you telling me not to do it makes me want to do it more. So the law leads us to the end of trusting ourselves. So in that way, hear me on this, in that way, the law, as Paul says here, is good. And we have a very, um, a very, Big sin nature. It's, 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 it's so ingrained into us that we cannot see the purpose of it. But what we do is we take good things that God created and we make them gods. God creates sex. What do we do? It's good. But it's only good as He created it. But what do we do? We pervert it and we make it our God. It's going to fulfill us. It's going to take care of us. If I'm stressed out, I'm going to run to it. God creates food. It's a good thing. But instead of using it for the remembrance of who God is and for the nourishing of our bodies, what do we do? We become gluttons and we overeat and we go to it for satisfaction, joy, happiness. God creates all things under His rule and reign, good. And those things are good as, as they were created, not as God's. The law, when given, was given by a good God. And the law was given to show us how much we needed Him to remember Him and how much we needed His Spirit to fulfill. But... Just as anything good that God creates, we twist it, pervert it, and distort it. I took my son, Kairos, who you've seen walking around with a big weird thing on his fingers together. He crushed his fingers in the, in the uh, window, and, and, and there was a big ordeal. And, and when we rushed him into the emergency room, I mean, blood and kids are turning white because there's freaking out and seeing their brother in pain and, and we're trying to figure out what to do and we run into the hospital and we're saying, fix it, fix it, fix it. And what do they do immediately? They don't just start working directly on it and go, how do we get it? How do we fix it? What do we do? They immediately take them to the x-ray machine. 
and take an x-ray and take pictures of his finger and all these kinds of things and he's still laying there in pain and in agony and what foolishness would it be of me to pull the doctor inside and say you already used the x-ray machine why is he still in pain you already took pictures you're already found you already used the machine why do you have to do all these things why do we have to take him to surgery it should have fixed him it should be done right now just as foolish as it for me to think an x-ray machine brings healing is just as foolish to think the law brings healing. The law was never designed to heal the hearts of men and to re- bring them up into the and grow them into the things of God. The law was always designed to show us what's in us so that we would see our need of a healer. The law is good, just like an x-ray machine is good. But it's only good in doing what it was designed to do. Let me, let me show you these things here. The law is good. What does the Bible show us? Sin is the problem, not the law. The law is good as long as it's just doing what it was supposed to do. But here's what Paul's fighting. What we need to die to is the law. Why do we need to die to the law? Because sin has so much power that it would even take the good law of God and it would be so twisted that people would begin to look at the law and misuse it. Sin gets us to misuse the law. Sin makes us angry at the law. Not only do we misuse what the good law of God is, what do we do? We get angry at it. Made me do it. Sin tells us the law is the problem and it's oppressive. Now in our rebellious nature, what we think is the best way that God could have designed things is without the law. There would have been no sin if God wouldn't have put that tree in the garden. So what do we do? We love to blame circumstances and people and law for the problem rather than look at the sin in our own heart. Sin makes God's good law also look boring. So many of us are trapped in sin that we look at God's good law which is designed for us to know Him, for us to be empowered, for us to know how He wants us to live under His good rule and reign. The law is actually was proclaimed as the good news. This is the way we live. We get to be in right standing with God. We get to have His heart and the world gets to be served. And this is how God does this. But what do we do? We get into sin and we look at God's laws and we say, man, that's boring. Sin makes us diminish the, consequen- the consequences of sin. Even though the law says this is what the consequences will happen if you do these things, if you sin against God, what do we do? It's not going to be that bad. You won't surely die. It won't destroy your life. 
You won't get that. You won't have that. It won't be your problem. Oh, yeah, I know there's addicts out there. And oh, yeah, I know this has destroyed that marriage. And oh, yeah, I know this. But it won't happen to you. You won't surely die. Sin tells us and makes us think that we can live up to the law. (laughs) That's the interesting part, that not only does it provoke, but it also makes us think that we can look at the law and live. And there's so many people who come to me and say, Pastor, my life is a shambles and everything's broken and everything's right. And here's what they do. Sit down with me and tell me what to do so my life can be fixed. So they want to come out of one law which destroyed their life and then they want me to lay on them a whole other list of laws so their life can be good. And then, in their minds, in their sinful hearts, they really believe if you just tell me the right things to do, I'll be able to do it. That what they really believe is the reason why they're not doing the right things is because they don't know what's right to do. Sin makes us feel righteous when we obey the law. When we do the right things, we feel good. We feel righteous. We stand before God and say, I am righteous. I've done the right things. Now you owe me. What else? Sin makes us trust the law for healing. Church, Here's what we have to understand. The law is not the problem. The law is not the problem. And although we need to understand that the law is not going to save us, you cannot do the right things and earn your standing before God. It is by grace that you have been saved. Christ has come in and pursued us through His love, and it is because of His love and His grace that He has captured our hearts and brought us in. He's paid our debt that we are legally His. He's poured His Spirit into us, that He's given us all that we need. We have this union with Christ, and that is above the law. That's beyond the law. That is love. And now that we've been brought into this union, he's not bait and switch where he says, okay, love has brought you into it, but the law's going to keep you in it, sister, honey, child. <laughs> Servant, slave. And when we really think of it, we think God just tricked us, brought us in by love, but it puts a bunch of laws on us. He's saying, no, that dies. Why does that die? It doesn't die because the law is bad. It dies because love is better. Love fulfills the law. Love releases us from the law. And love empowers us to walk in obedience to the one that we love and serve. We need the law for this. To show us how much we need Jesus. We need it to come to the utter end of ourselves. So that you will not be self-confident. But confident in Jesus. As the band comes, I want us to think of these couple things and then Wayne is going to come and lead us in a time of communion. When 
we realize who Paul is talking to, it starts to become very clear that many of us at heart are far more legalistic than we want to admit. And we're trying to make x-ray machines fix us. But when we see the purpose of the law, we see that a good God created a diagnostic. Because we would never admit that we were sinners. Unless the law took a picture of our hearts. We would never admit that we needed another unless it showed us how fragile we were, how many of us thought we were indestructible until all of a sudden some x-ray showed us that there was a disease inside. And immediately we say, man, I thought I was so healthy. I thought I would never die. And then all of a sudden the reality of what's in us makes us realize how much we need a Savior. Church, don't trust the law to save you. The more I realize this, the more powerful it becomes in my heart. And here's the reason why. I really believe that as a young man, I spent my life obeying the law because I interpreted Scripture being raised in the home that I was in and being in a part of ministry, I interpreted Scripture that if I did the right things, God would love me and bless me. I went into ministry with that and I couldn't understand why people couldn't just stop doing stupid things. So I became angry and bitter. Until when the cross was preached, I'm already in ministry, pastoring for years. The cross is preached and God turns the light on in my heart. So I, real, I realize that my rebellion, even my morality, was separating me from God. Jesus saved me. And now, I'm free. I'm free. I'm not free to do stupid things. That's not what I'm saying. I am free from the law. I don't have to earn my standing with God and I don't have to trust myself to make myself like Him. I am totally and freely dependent upon the work of Jesus for my righteousness and I'm dependent upon His Spirit to grow in me and make me who He wants me to be. I have become a child of God. I need a Savior. As we come to the tables today, and as Wayne calls us into action, I want us to remember that we are sinners. Broken. Twisted. And that the law did nothing but show us how much we need God. And that instead of running to the law to try to fix us today, as the people of God, the children of God, we are running to His grace and mercy, rejoicing in His work on the cross, and remembering 
but it is by grace that we have been saved. God, I pray that today you would reveal to us that the posture you want us to have with you is dependence. Dependence upon you. Dependence upon your word. Dependence upon your spirit. That Jesus pursued us. And it's by his love that he came and died for our sins, fulfilling the law. And that we died with him. And because of death, we are now free from the law, but we are now released to love. Before, when we were under the law, we could not love. It was, it was not free to love. But now, because we have been died with Christ and been brought into union with Him, we are now free to love. And now, through the law of Christ, through the love of Christ that's in us, we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we love our neighbors. And we are compelled by your Spirit. So we're dependent upon you. Teach us what it is to follow you and love you and serve you. In Jesus' name.